5280 Church Podcast, because everyone needs more hope, genuine community, and a clearer picture of God's love. Hi there, and welcome into 5280 Church Podcast. 5280 Church is a startup in the Berkeley community of Denver, Colorado, and our goal is to create a community that's very open and safe, um, where you can ask your hard questions and not feel judged, where you can come together as friends and family, um, worship together, play together, and just have fun together. In our current series, What The? We are doing just that, diving into difficult questions that we might find about the Bible, about God, and finding the deeper truths. If God is good, why is there evil in the world? Can the Bible be trustworthy? Was Jesus a savior or just a good man? We have a Q&A at the end of each session, and we would invite you to interact with us there on Facebook. Ask your questions, leave a comment, give us a like, follow and share, but most of all, become a part of our community. And without further ado, we answer another question. everyone. Hey, welcome. For those of you that are on Facebook Live, thank you so much for joining us today. We're glad that you're here with us. I want to just remind everyone that in this series, uh, today as we answer big questions about life and faith, we want to give you the opportunity at the end of the message either to send in your questions through Facebook Live or to give them here uh, from the crowd that's here this morning. You can give them to us live and I will do my best to try to answer them clearly and concisely. And if I don't know, I'm not afraid to say that. Uh, Because we're all growing and learning in this process. But the goal behind this series is, um, as we've interacted with this community, uh, we get get a lot of questions. People ask us a lot of big questions. And so today's question uh, that I want to tackle is, isn't Christianity just another social construct? Now, this is terminology that's kind of entered into our culture. Uh, Some of you may be familiar with it. Some of you may not. Uh, The reason that some of you may not be familiar with it is you went to college a while ago, all right? But on a college campus (laughs) uh, in the last decade or so, it's become very popular. You've seen a surge of cultural studies that have uh, flourished on a college campus. And this terminology, social concepts, social construct, um, these kind of things are common day place in our culture. And so we want to try to answer that question today. Um, in a very clear and concise manner. Before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about what a social construct is, okay? So let's look at a definition of social construct. For those of you that have been in college, this is going to be a simplified version of a definition that you've seen, but we're trying to make sure that it's accessible to all people. But essentially, at its simplest form, a social construct are ideas or concepts people have built to define the norms of life that shapes their actions, thoughts, and perceptions of life. So in other words, it's, it's a set of values, it's a set of truths, it's a way, a language that the culture uses to set parameters within the culture that helps us interact and process reality as we experience it, right? The thing about social concepts is that it may be true for us, but on the other side of the world, because their cultural context is different, those constructs don't necessarily apply. They're not universal. They're very localized and set to context. And so that's essentially a social construct. So when we think about Christianity being a social construct, people are asking, didn't we just kind of create this this idea of religion that served its time and has shaped us for a period of time, but haven't we kind of outgrown that culturally speaking? And so that's the question we're trying to tackle today. 
Another thing about social constructs that I want you to understand is that it's, it was made popular. It's kind of been around. You can kind of look back, but it, it really began to gain momentum in 1966 with a book called The Social Construction of Reality. It's when uh, language was really given to this idea and it began to take off. And so it's been around for about 40 years now, and it's an opportunity for us uh, to kind of dig in. And it was offered as... Uh, an alternative to the common train of thought, which was known as Western intellectualism. Okay, that's the idea that we talk, start with propositions or ideas, and then we, we search for truth and reality to bring that together. So it's this, the typical way that we would discern, uh, discern objective truth. If you're in the Christian circles, this is, you know, common apologetics, okay? So you look at an idea, you search, you research, you build your case around it. It all has to be rooted in truth and concrete statements, things that are a little more abstract, things that feel a little diff, uh, distant or loose. Um, we kind of reject and we create a very literal form of, of worldview. And so that happens within Christian circles. But when we begin to interact, if you're like me, and, and you interact with the culture around you or you just experience life, not everything is very literal and cut and dry, right? Okay, so why do bad things happen uh, to people around us? That's a big question for me and my family. We have had a series of things that have happened in our life, and as if there's a loving God and I'm serving him faithfully, why would he not just protect his people, right? That's, those things kind of shake our foundation. The black and white doesn't uh, really add up, and it becomes hard and difficult, even though Jesus, very clearly in the Bible tells us that he does not promise us a pain-free life. He promises us his presence. But those experiences open up the door for us to ask meaningful philosophical questions. Some current examples of social constructs, uh, you're going to hear a lot of debate. You hear any debate about gender and gender roles in our culture? Yeah, right? Okay, that's a big deal. And so it's the idea is that Culture has created a stereotype to establish a norm, to make sense of reality, and now we're challenging that. We're wondering whether that reality is the way it should be. Is it inevitable unless we actually change language, right? So when we talk about things being politically correct, you know, and we're trying to use general neutral terms, what it is is it's creating language to change reality, to socially construct a new understanding and definition of of gender and gender roles. It's not inherently bad, but that's the conflict that uh, we seem to find ourselves in. Race is another one, uh, sexuality and morality and religion, which is kind of where we fall into our conversation today. These are all examples of social constructs. Social construct basically asks two questions. It, it challenges the assumption that things are the way they are, right? Would people ultimately inevitably become Christians unless the culture actually defined Christianity and gave people uh, the language for it. So uh, you insert whatever you want um, in these blanks, but basically a social construct asks two questions. Isn't blank quite bad as it is? You know, so it looks at the experience and it says, isn't this, um, you know, a mess? Isn't there something that needs to be improved here? The second question is, would we be much better off <clears throat> if we'd done away with or at least radically modified whatever it is? So putting Christianity in that, let's, let's kind of bottom line it. So the question today is, is Christianity an idea made up by society to establish norms for people to center their lives, thoughts, and actions on? 
Is Christianity bad in its current state? And would society be better off if we did away with Christianity or at least radically modify it? Now, those three statements at this point probably just crystallizes all of the culture war that we just had, right? Doesn't this actually bring clarity to the current dialogue and debate that's going on in our culture between Christianity, you know, do we go progressive? Do we stay traditional in our faith, right? So does it need to be modified and radically changed? Does it not bring clarity to the idea that, you know, we've kind of outgrown Christianity? It needs to be removed from the public square. You know, you can have faith. It can be personal to you, but it should not have any place in the public forum. So it's those two questions, right? Those two competing ideas that on one side, Christianity is quite bad and we'd be better off if it wasn't here. That brings you to the competing idea of secularism, right? There are two ideas that are offered to challenge Christianity right now. Secularism, let's remove faith, all faith, from the public square. And then on the other side of it is this idea of spiritualism. It's like, well, we can keep it, but let's radically modify its truth. Because after all, it's just a social construct. So, with that being said... Let's take the two alternatives, you know, secularism, let's look at that worldview for a second, let's look at spiritualism, that worldview for a second, and then let's put Christianity back in the middle and honestly answer the question, is it a social construct? Okay, so one idea that's been offered that's gained a lot of momentum again since about the same time, since the 60s, is this idea of atheism or secularism or naturalism. You know, they, they kind of combine these worldviews. Not every naturalist is an atheist. Not every atheist is a secular. Well, they are secularists because God doesn't exist. But they wouldn't use that term because, after all, there is no faith. Why have a category, right? There's just existence. So when you look at the idea of secularism, the hallmarks of it that, that begin where do we come from? They look to evolution and naturalism to define the way things exist. Things just exist. They exist in a natural world. They've happened over billions and millions of years, and they have come from this explosion into single-cell life, into multiple complex evolving beings, right? And so we're, we're part of the universe. We're all kind of connected. After all, we can find some elements of DNA in plants that we can find in humanity. Therefore, everything is connected and exists naturally. When they look at what's wrong with the world and they begin to challenge with that, religion is always at the top of the list. And we have to be honest, Christians. There's been a lot of things done in the name of God that have been very destructive and hurtful throughout our history. There is a dark side to religion. And they would say that that has created great pain. And we should adamantly agree. Yes, absolutely. Either through actions or apathy, Christianity uh, has done some things that are incredibly dark and destructive and hurtful. That contributes to the pain in the world. They would also say traditional values and Western values are the things that are eroding away at society. That's why you see this conflict politically that it surfaces. It's a battling of world views. They would also say that the solution would be science, technology, and tolerance enforced by law, okay? So now you're beginning to understand, okay, there's, there is no God. All that exists is natural. We evolve. Religion is a problem. Traditional values are a problem. Western values are a problem. We need to create a better world that is more at peace and more unified. We can do that through science, technology, and tolerance, and that's the worldview, 
But the thing that, that becomes interesting is that when you ask anybody about this worldview, especially on the science end of things, we have to admit that science isn't as black and white as we would like to say it is, right? When it comes to evolution, we can laboratory test microevolution, which was taught as adaptation when I was a kid. That goes back a little ways. But microevolution, we can see adaptation within species. We can test that all day long. We can see that as verifiable truth. Christianity does not have to be afraid of that. We don't have to be afraid of adaptation. We don't have to be afraid of science. We don't have to be afraid of this information, right? Micro, or macroevolution, where, where things jump from one species to the next, evolve into something completely different, well, that's what science, if you talk to any scientist, would say doesn't always add up. They have to admit, we, we suspect this is a theory, we think it's plausible with the information we have, but we cannot test this, right? The same way a creationist cannot prove in a laboratory God created the heavens and the earth. In order to do that means we have to take nothing, put it together and become something, and be able to repeat that scientific process to get the same result over and over again to say that we have scientifically proven creation. Same thing is true for you. We cannot really prove your existence scientifically. We can look around and say, yes, you exist. There are evidences of you here in life, but for us to take stuff and put it together and try to recreate you, well, we don't have the ability to do that. We can't test that in the laboratory. So we can have sane conversations with people and not be at odds over science, and we can have intelligent conversations with people, and there's some validity to their understanding of the natural world. So secularism isn't the end, but there's also this side of bias. There's not a scientist in the world, there's not a person in the world that is unbiased. I'm sorry. We just have to own that. Where do we see this, all right? Dr. John Stanford, who went to college about the same time as Bill Nye, the science guy, right? At Cornell University, same education, same period of time, same level of research when it comes to biology, both highly educated, intelligent men. When they look at DNA within the human body, Dr. John Stanford says, DNA is winding down. Humanity is risking mutations that leads to its extinction. That's his particular view. You talk to Bill Nye, he would say, well, no, it's mutating to become something new and to evolve to the next step that humanity will take. Same information, two very different interpretations. One happens to be a creationist, one happens to be an atheist. Which one's right? Maybe a little of both, right? Genetic mutations create problems within humanity. Humanity has existed a long time, but we all know that the human body is changing rapidly. We're facing things in our day and age that we didn't have to face decades ago. And they face things that we no longer have to face. And so, again, secularism helps us understand the world around us, and we do it without God. The problem for us as Christianity is to say that that information immediately disproves God. That is a very bold statement, and you can't do that. So, the second thing um, that I would say that competes is spiritualism, right? And that's the idea that all religions and spirituality and forms and opinions of uh, spiritual truth are valid, and they are to a certain extent if it's just about us and our experience with the spiritual world. But they would look at, when they create a worldview, when it looks at origin, they would maybe adopt creation and or evolution and or 
whatever else they want to add to the picture. So it's kind of an organic, open, whatever they read, the information they get together. Spiritualism puts this synchronization together and begins to world, put worldviews together. Okay, so this is a competing idea. What's wrong with the world? Well, there's brokenness, oppression, and injustice. This is why the pain and suffering in the world exist. What's the answer? Deconstructing faith. So in other words, taking away any hard lines, any sense of truth, you know, kind of deconstructing it, becoming autonomous in our faith, right? Isn't this a big push? I love my faith, but I don't need a faith community. Autonomy, right? And then love, unconditional sacrificial love. That is true. That brings a ton of good to the world. So you can see truth and a whole lot of other information put in there to create this idea of spiritual truth that becomes very personal, that as we live it out, brings good to the world. But the idea of God and him being a one way, only way becomes very offensive uh, to, to that particular worldview. Because after all, don't we all have the opportunity to put together a valid belief system, whether it's secular or spiritual. So let's look at Christianity. I know it's kind of heady. Let's look at Christianity. The thing that's unique about Christianity and why Christianity cannot be a social construct when it's lived out rightly comes down to a few things. The first one is, is that God exists and he has revealed himself to humanity. Think about this. Social constructs exist because people create worldviews. They communicate that worldview, and it shapes culture. God exists, and he revealed himself. That's very different. He's not a made-up person. He's a person that existed. When we look at the Bible and the eyewitness testimonies, Jesus very clearly claimed to be God. That's one of the reasons why he was so offensive to Jewish culture, why they were so willing to crucify another human being. You know, not out of, uh, you know, uh, harsh anger, but just out of misunderstanding and a strong conviction that there was one God who should not be blasphemed. So they were actually holding to their convictions, fulfilling prophecy, and actually killing God who came to reveal himself because Jesus claimed to be God. Now, it's not a slam against Judaism, but it helps you understand the historical context, which is what's really powerful about this. If God does not reveal himself then humanity gets to define God. We get to make him whatever we want. But if God's showed up, then that means that now our minds can engage. There ought to be evidence outside of just spiritual information to be able to define the existence of God and who he is and what he's like. That's the beauty of this. God showed that's a powerful statement. We see this in the Bible. Jesus said to them, have I been with you so long that you still don't know me, Philip? So one of his disciples saying, show us the Father. And he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I am God. Call me Jesus. It's nice to meet you, Philip. Right? That's a very bold claim. And so God shows up, introduces himself to humanity in a way that people can know him. We see this in the book of Hebrews. It says, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So God has always been speaking, trying to reveal himself to people. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So God not just sent messengers, God sent himself, who appointed them the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. So the God of creation, who caused all things that don't exist to exist, 
however scientifically that works out, God reveals himself and shows us who he is. We see this in John chapter 20, verse 31, but these things are written, the word of God, as he's talking about, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So God very powerfully introduces himself to humanity, spoke through prophets. If they didn't get it right, time would tell, right? So how do you know that somebody says something about God is true? God reveals himself. You're not relying on the prophet. You're relying on the revelation of God. And then as he speaks to us, he not only speaks through history and archaeology and anthropology and all of these wonderful things, he now speaks to us through his word where we can research and search out and understand and know who God is. This is the claim of Christianity. It's not made up. We absolutely cannot construct, you know, authentic Christianity. God reveals himself, which is the second truth. If God has revealed himself, then he should get to define himself, right? And that's the next logical step. What would we say to somebody that tries to communicate who they are and self-define themselves in our culture? What would we say to them if we deny them that, that opportunity? Nothing positive, right? So God gets to define himself and introduce himself to the world in a very powerful and profound way. One thing I want to challenge you to do is on Netflix, there's this incredible documentary called Patterns of Exodus, right? When we look at archaeology, they refute the biblical understanding of the Exodus, the timing of it. When you listen to theologians, they hold to a particular verse and interpret the, in the city of Ramses, and they try to pick when that city exists in the time of Ramses, and they lock it down to a particular time, and it creates this hundreds and hundreds of years of gap in the calendar. So archaeology says it happens 300 years later. Christianity says it happens 300 years before that. So there's a 600-year gap. Both of them can't be right. So it's about this guy who sets out to resolve that, and he comes down to realize that archaeology has interpreted information wrong, and Christianity has interpreted information wrong, and when you put it back in its context and interpret it right, it brings both of those time periods within 30 years of each other. And in antiquity, that's incredible. So we shouldn't be afraid of information. God has allowed this to happen so we can get to know him on a very personal level, which is the next point. If God has revealed himself, then we can know him personally, right? So spiritualism isn't bad. It's meant to be a personal connection. God defines himself. We connect with him. We get to know him personally. We get to know him spiritually. We get to know him intellectually. We don't have to check our brains at the door. And we get to know him emotionally. See, the little gift of postmodern culture is, is that there's no intellectualism based on Western values. It's what you feel. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel true. That's part of processing information. Those feelings cause us or should cause us to dig back in and say what is true, what is right. And in Christianity, there's room for all of that. Another thing that we need to ultimately accept as Christians is that tying Christianity to anything or anyone other than the life and teachings of God is a social construct. When we tie Christianity to politics, we're creating a social construct, no matter what your politics are. 
when we tie Christianity to our favorite pastor, we're creating a social construct. We're creating a much smaller view of a very big picture. Christianity has become a social construct in many, many ways. And it's creating all kinds of doubt and confusion. But when you look at Christianity as God intended for it to be, it was tied to who? Jesus. That's where Christianity has its origins. That's where it begins. Where do we see this? In the book of Acts, you know, what happens here? Jesus is born. He lives a perfect life because he's God. He shows us what it's like to live in right relationship with the Father. He shows us that none of us match up, right? We have all fallen short of what God intended for us. He shows us that only through Jesus can we come back to God, be forgiven by God, be, you know, restored to the image that God has us. And and he shows us these things. And then he dies on the cross to pay for that penalty, to seal forgiveness and new life in him, raises from the dead so he can dwell within believers and give them that spiritual birth, that new life, so that we can relate to God. So he does all of that, and what happens is, is that people begin to follow Jesus. They begin to obey his teachings. They begin to pray. They begin to get together and understand what the Bible says, what the Old Testament says, and they begin to live out this mission that Jesus gave them of telling others who, what it means to know, love, and follow him. And the world had no idea what to call them. Some people looked at them and said, well, they're followers of the way. Or they're heretics. They have walked away from Judaism. And other people had this giant question mark, we don't know what to call them. But in the book of Acts, somebody finally looked at him and said, you know what? What I see is Jesus. And we see in Acts chapter 11, almost 60 years after Christ walked the earth, somebody turned and said, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. It finally clicked. There's a whole community of people, hundreds of thousands of people at this point that are mimicking Jesus. Christians means little Christ, little reflections. That's the birthplace of Christianity. When we look at Christians, we ought to see Jesus. But in our culture, people desperately need a clearer picture of Jesus and what it means to know, love, and follow him. Here's what most of them see. When they think of Christianity, what's the first thing they think of? Somebody throw it out there. Self-righteous? Hypocrites? Huh? Boring. What's that? Judgmental. What's that? Yep. Church. There's not been a conversation that I have interacted with in this community that people that don't follow Jesus, that ultimately don't come back and say, I kind of like Jesus, I'm interested by who he is and what he's about, but I don't like the church. If I were to ask you to describe your relationship with Jesus, how much of it would center around our understanding of church? I love the church. 
as God intended for it to be, a community of Christ followers that were committed to knowing him, building one another up, and sharing the incredible message of redemption with the world around them. But the institution, the abuse of spiritual power, creating systems where people don't actually have to engage with the faith that they say they have, those things destroy the message of Christianity. It locks it in a room, hides it from the world, and offers its followers dead faith. Faith without deeds is dead. The world has rejected that form of Christianity. This is why the church is struggling. We're trying to hold on to something that used to be meaningful, and it did. But we've lost the why behind all of the what's that we do. That's the disconnect. That's what we have to change. The last statement I would leave about Christianity is this. For us as those that claim to be Christ followers, we need to discover the depths of what we have in Jesus and offer that to the world. We got to dig deeper past sitting in a row, listening to somebody talk. We got to push into our own brokenness and find freedom. We have to ask ourselves, do we really have a relationship with God or do we just have religious activity in our life? We have to ask ourselves, is it fear that's really keeping us from engaging the lost world with the message of Christ or is it more about comfort? We have to wade into the unknown, feel the discomfort, take the risk to actually depend on God to feel his life well up within us. Otherwise, we're creating our own version of Christianity, which is no Christianity at all.